so you need that's a unique way of perhaps getting the message of God out but I was challenged even whether I would do it or not for fear I might get beat up a little bit but it really is the true story that comes from that chapter and although it's a mixture of a couple of translations there's nothing added or anything taken away let us pray together before we look at our thoughts today. Father in heaven, we are thankful for this time of gathering and we ask Holy Spirit that as you indwell us that you might open up our minds and our hearts and our inner beings to the very truth of your word and what it is that you would like to teach us. May these next moments, Father, be secured from any evil thought or confusion. Help us, Father, to take in only the words that you would teach us. And may we grow and be stronger as we follow you, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As you're aware, I, I come from a military family and I recall when I was about nine or 10 years old, an event that I'm not proud of, but at that time I didn't really know much about it in terms of right or wrong. Well, really I did, but I didn't pay attention to it. I was about, my mom and dad and our brothers, we lived in, in Penhold, Alberta, which is just a few miles out of Red Deer, and that's where my dad was stationed in the Air Force. And there were a group of boys that used to go every Saturday morning into Red Deer. The, 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 the Air Force Base would provide a bus, and they would go into Red Deer to go to the public swimming pool. And then the bus would pick them up later that afternoon and bring them back home. And this was my first, I'd finally entered that age where I was allowed to go. And so I was all excited, and I got my, my towel and my bathing suit, and I went off on the bus, and I was all excited, and we went swimming and had a great time. And then when we got finished our swimming time, we were actually taking the Red Cross programs, and when we got finished that, we had another 15 or 20 minutes before the bus came to pick us up. So we thought we'd go into the nickel and dime store in Red Deer. And so there was about eight or nine of us, we kind of rushed into the store and we're walking around and I had my towel, my bathing suit wrapped in my towel and my towel underneath my arm. And we were walking around and all of a sudden one of the kids come and he shoved something in my towel. And I thought, I don't think you're supposed to do that. It was a bag of peanuts, a big bag of peanuts. And he shoved it in there and he said, let's go. So I followed the crowd and I got out of there. It wasn't long, we were walking down the street and I saw, we saw a couple of policemen coming our way. And I thought, I'm not sure this is gonna end happy. And he came up to us and he said, boys, did you pay for those peanuts? And so one of my cohorts said, uh, we don't have no peanuts. And he said, well, just turn around. So I turned around and here was a clerk coming from the store with my bathing suit in her hand and a row of peanuts along just following us. 
there was a trail left for us. I want you to know that my dad taught me a few lessons from that experience as soon as I got home. As a matter of fact, my brother was with me, the brother just one year younger than us, and he had heard about it, and so he had the military police come to our house to arrest Ron and myself and take us to the military prison. And they were serious. I was petrified. My brother Ron is a little braver than me. He went upstairs to get a pair of scissors. I said, what are you doing with the scissors? He says, well, I'm, I'm breaking out of there. <laughs> but then my dad kind of uh, used a wonderful instrument to warm my bottom and help me understand. For my next few, few weeks as I speak, I'm going to do a series called Indelible Footprints. Indelible footprints are, those, are, are footprints that just don't disappear. Another experience I had as a young person is I went to a store one time when I was younger and I bought some markers. And I decided to mark up one of my rooms, one of the places on my room, and it was indelible markers. They didn't come off. Another bottom-warming experience. But indelible markers, God's word tells us he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That his word never changes. And it won't change for as long as the Lord tarries in coming and returning. The complete word of God from beginning to end is for all generations. And in his word, I find that indelible footprints left by Bible characters for us to learn something. And so this morning, if I get this up here, we want to talk about one of those characters, Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Not a lot said about him in the Bible, but he was a very main character of this story. While I was going to Bible college in my first semester, I was just a brand new Christian. I think I'd only known the Lord less than a year. And I was in Bible college and I was sitting and I was listening to two girls in our, co in our coffee room or in the canteen we called it, but it was kind of a, a coffee place where we'd have coffee sandwiches or pastries. And often students would go there and we'd talk and, and, and just have some. I, I happened to be having a, a coffee and a sandwich and these two young ladies, a few tables down with me, were discussing their religions. They were discussing their denominations. And I heard this one lady, this one girl, ask her friend, what's the difference between your religion and my religion? And this girl responded and said, well, two words. D-O-D-O -do is your religion, D-O-N-E, done, is my religion. And somehow I think that that captures where Nicodemus was at this particular moment in his life. You see, Nicodemus was struggling with something. And he came to Jesus in the night. We don't know exactly what that hole in his heart was, but we do know he was struggling. 
the fondest memories of my ministry are my pastoral ministry and my teenage camp speaking ministry. I loved speaking to teenagers, especially junior teenagers. They kind of always got my heart. And I remember speaking at a Saskatchewan camp many years ago, and I'd been speaking on sin. That sin was the barrier between us and God. And uh, after my third message, I was sitting on the beach, and one of these young, young teenagers came up and sat beside me, and he said, you know, preacher? He said, I had a dream about you and me. I said, really? Yeah. I said, well, tell me about it. He said, well, he said, I dreamt that you had somehow died and you were on your way to heaven and you got to the gate and the gatekeeper said, welcome, couple of things I want you to do before I let you enter. Go over there, you see, there's a ladder there and it goes way up into the heavens up through the clouds and over there there's a bunch of pieces of chalk. I want you to go over and pick up one of those pieces of chalk, climb that ladder. When you get above the clouds, you're going to see one giant blackboard. And you want, I want you to write all your sins down there. He said, so you said, okay, and away you went. I watched you go over, pick up that piece of chalk, big piece of chalk. Walk over to the ladder, start climbing. You disappeared. And then I got to the gate. He said the same thing. Now, you see that big pieces of chalk over there? That ladder, I want you to take that big piece of chalk and I want you to climb that ladder and there's a big blackboard up there. So he said, I went over to the pieces of chalk and they were big. He said, I think they're, you know, at least six feet long. You know, at least 12 inches in diameter and they're heavy. But he said, I put one on my shoulder and I started climbing the ladder. And just before I got to the clouds, someone came and stepped on my, my hand. And I just about lost my balance and fell off. And I looked up to say, what are you doing up there? And I looked up, and here you were, preacher, coming down for another piece of chalk. <laughs> what does that have to do with Nicodemus? I would suggest to you that our story in Nicodemus is a story of a religious man with something missing. We could capture it in that thought, and five things come to my mind. First, he had a secret, hidden, spiritual need. He had a need in his life. Let's take a look at who Nicodemus was. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a religious leader, but he's not only a Pharisee, he had made his way to the Sanhedrin and become a Sadducee. The Sanhedrin was a body of seven, 70 religious leaders who were highly educated, highly knowledgeable about God's word, highly knowledgeable about Yahweh and his instructions to the nation of Israel. And they were the body of men who oversaw the rules and regulations of the, of the nation of Israel and its religious thought. Nicodemus, it says in verse 1 of chapter 3, not only was he a Sadducee, but he, it says he was a ruler of the Jews. So he was a part of that ruling body that actually had the power to do many things in the name of God. 
They could have people stoned. They could do many things for people breaking the rules. Let's see if we can bring that into modern day terms about Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a churchgoer. He was there every Sunday. Nicodemus was a ministry leader. Nicodemus may well have been the early church moderator. But there's something wrong. There was something missing. He was faithful. He understood Yahweh. He understood, he sat under the teachings. He became a teacher of the teachers. But something was missing. One of the footprints that I see from this story is let us be careful that we think church is all we need, that religion is all we need. That seemed to be where Nicodemus was. The second thing I see, footprint I see from him, Nicodemus feared his peers. He came in secret. He didn't want any of his fellow Sanhedrins to see him meeting Jesus. Because remember that this is the body of men who despised Jesus, who believed that he was, that he was blaspheming God, that he was doing things that were against God. Only God can heal. Only God can do miracles. And they disliked Jesus. And Nicodemus was part of that crowd. But God knows us no matter where we are. God knows our heart no matter where we are. He knows the truth of our heart. And he knew Nicodemus's. And Nicodemus, unlike his fellow Sanhedrin, was drawn to Jesus. This religious church-going person recognized something was missing in his relationship with Yahweh. There was a hole in his heart, and he was drawn to Jesus. I don't know whether Nicodemus might have been at the wedding where Jesus turned water into wine. It is clear from the passage of Scripture that he gave credit to, God, to Jesus doing things only God could do. He was aware of Jesus healing, raising the dead, casting out evil spirits. And he was attracted to this man. But he was afraid of what his friends might think of him if he announced him publicly. Now let's pull that down into our day. Are we one of those folks as a believer 
are not always willing to demonstrate our belief and the strength of our belief because we feel our acquaintances, our workmates, our schoolmates, our neighbors may not like us. I don't know about you, but there's times I get a bit frightened when I think God is asking me to jump in with a message. I had a truck driver friend when we were, when we were very young Christians, and he came to church and he found a, a relationship with, and, 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 but he was, he was kind of very, um, I can figure these things out on my own kind of guy. And this event happened to him, it's a true story, and when he told it, when you looked at him, we knew it was true. He was driving his truck along the highway down in the United States, it was an 18-wheeler, loaded truck, <coughs> loaded truck, and somehow, or for some reason, he went off in the ditch. The whole rig went into the ditch, and he fought it, he said, for four or five minutes, till he finally brought it back on the road. And he was heading now down the road again, safe and secure. And he said in his mind, you see, Jesus, I really didn't need you. I could do this on my own. And he said, instantly, as quick as you could snap your fingers, that truck was upside down in the ditch, all wheels up. Just as quick as you flash your eyes. He said, I crawled out of there on my knees and I didn't get off them till I made my relationship right with God. And so I asked him, why is it that you don't tell that story more often? He said, because I'm afraid of what my truck driver friends might think. I'm not so sure we don't fall into that camp. Third thing, Nicodemus became confused and perplexed. He was, a, he was a man of, of, of intelligence. His thought pattern was linear. He was, he was clean thinking, everything in place. And Jesus tells him he has to be born again. Jesus saw the hole, and he said, I can fix the hole, and this is how I can fix it. You must be born again. And he said, well, we know what he said. Really? How is that possible for me to get back into my mother's womb? And then Jesus began to talk to him about what he needed. And he said, that which is born of flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Nicodemus still, I think, seemed confused. But Jesus then went on to teach all those who were around that you must be born again, that you must be born in the Spirit. Now, born again is a very common phrase now. Everybody uses it. We've got born again boxers, born again swimmers, born again singers, born again everything. Billy Graham actually about halfway through his ministry years, decided to change it from born again to born above. I wouldn't do that, because God's word says born again. 
This confused Nicodemus. I had a wonderful experience this week, which took away some what I considered were important moments in my life. And I was finishing off my message. I hadn't got it typed out yet, so you can see that I'm still in my dream stage. Hadn't got it fully typed out yet. And I was about to do that Friday afternoon and get the words down that I needed to get down. And I, the front door buzzer rang, and a young man was at the front door, a young Asian man, and he said, can I come in and pray? I said, sure, by all means. Opened the door, and I said, would you like to pray in the sanctuary? Would you like to you know, have a quiet room? No, sanctuary will be fine. I said, you're welcome. I went back to the office, he came into the sanctuary. 25 minutes later, he kind of poked his head in my door and he said, I want to thank you for letting me pray. And I felt that God was telling me to invite him in. So I did, I said, would you like to come in and chat? He said, sure, and he sat down. And he began to tell me his story. And he said, I come in to pray. And I'm praying to God, and I said, and who is that? He said, well, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just praying that God would fix my problem. And I said, but who? Who are you praying to? Well, God. And I said, well, who's God? Well, I don't know, but I'm praying to, to him. And I said, and we spent a lot of time then, I, I said, you know, young man, if you want God to hear you, you have to address it to God. You can't just throw it out there and hope that somebody's going to hear. You have to give it an address. That led into an hour and a half conversation about Christ. And I had to start way back in the Old Testament and bring him up to speed. Conclusion of our time together was, I'd like you to go and read the story of Nicodemus because that's the only thing I was thinking of at that moment. And he said, okay, that'd be good. I said, you'll find it in John chapter three. Read it because I think you can learn a lot from it. And so he said, okay. And he looked at my desk and he said, can I borrow one of your Bibles? I said, no, I'll give you a Bible. So I went over, Ken had had some in his shelves there. I took one off and I said, take this please, take it home. He left my office confused and perplexed. And that leads us to the fourth thing. Nicodemus took time to ponder on what Jesus had taught him. Often when we gather God's word into our lives, we have a million questions about whys or why nots or this or that. What time to ponder means sitting back with the word of God with you and just pondering with God. You see, God, will, God is pleased with our answers even if they're stupid questions. He wants to hear from us. He wants to hear us ponder. He, he knows our feeling. He knows we're pondering. He knows we're struggling. And he wants to be part of the healing. Nicodemus needed to ponder. I got a text last night from this young man. 
His name is Nathan. And he said, I just wanted to text you and say, I'd like to come in again on Friday so that we can sit down and continue our conversation. What I saw in that text was he went home and he read the Bible, and now he's in that pondering stage. What does all this mean for us? What does it mean for me? This young man has a big hole in his heart. And I want to say to you this morning that I believe that there are church people that have been going to church their whole lives, and still there's an emptiness there that they don't understand. Nicodemus was like that. The final thing I learned about our story is when you come to the end of the story, there's no indication that Nicodemus made a decision. Jesus just taught, and it's as if Nicodemus just disappeared. But if you continue to read in John and Nicodemus, you'll find that in chapter 7, it was Nicodemus who stood before the Sanhedrin and defended Christ. He became Jesus Christ's attorney, defense attorney, amongst all those people who he once was afraid of when he came to know Jesus and had the hole in his heart fixed, he had no more fear. He did not fear his peers any longer. As a matter of fact, he was willing to stand up and challenge them and help them identify who Jesus was. I have an old radio at home. I went my wife to go pick it up for my son last night. It's a radio my dad's dad gave to him. And at one time I remembered it worked. And so did my wife. And I said, when you go, when you go to see the grand girls this weekend, can you pick dad's radio up? I want to use it for, a, for an illustration. And I was so excited. All day yesterday, she said, yeah, I'll go get home. Get and so she brought it home last night, and we plugged it in. didn't work. I was kind of dif- disappointed, but the story is not disappointing. You see, that radio was an old radio, and I remember even when I had it after he passed away, when I got it, it didn't work. So I took the back off it, and all the little tubes were dusty. You know, they normally light up and makes the radio go. Well, they were all dusty. So I took them all out and dusted them all off and put them back in and plugged in the radio, and lo and behold, it played. I think Nicodemus was predestined to be part of the biblical story. God knew Nicodemus' heart just as he knows your and my heart. But I, when I look at Nicodemus in chapter, I believe it's 20, uh, where's my notes here? I've got to go around this way. 19. When Jesus was crucified, remember who it was that jumped to the front of the crowd and said, I would like his body? was Nicodemus. 
I would like his body. Nicodemus went from being a fearful Christian or fearful churchgoer with a big hole in his heart and he met Jesus in a unique and true way and he turned in to a confident, committed believer. I believe that Nicodemus wiped the dust off his faith. He went in to see Jesus all dusty and confused and not knowing where his religion or his thoughts would take him. But when he came out, he was like a clean tube. The dust had been removed from his faith. And God was able to use him. Chris and Doris are going to come and lead us in our closing song, our closing hymn number 352. As we get there, let me ask you a couple of questions. Let me ask you a couple of things. Do you, have you been coming to church for a long time? Have you sat in the pews week after week after week? Involved in church, past, present, but something seems to be missing. Something seems to be missing. I don't feel like when I leave the church every week, I feel I don't feel I've changed. I don't feel like I'm any different. I want to suggest to you, my beloved brothers and sisters, that there's probably dust on your faith. It's kind of in a dusty corner of your life. And as we go into a new ministry year, I believe God is calling all of us to wipe the dust off our faith, to get it back to the forefront. To believe that God wants to use me, that God will open doors for me, I want to tell you that I believe there are Nathans in each of your lives if you would just open your spiritual eyes. There are people that God will bring into your life if you wipe the dust off your faith and believe that you have something to offer them. This is what 21st century church is, folks. I wish I had my black people here. I think they'd really be dancing right now. As we sing this song, and somehow God has speaking to your heart, I want you just to, we're going to sit for the first verse. And while we're sitting, if God is speaking to heart, I want you to stand and just let him know. And yes, you're going to let all of us know that God has spoken to you, that God has talked to you. Let's wipe the dust off our faith. Let's believe and expect that God is going to do something with Thornhill Baptist Church that we've never seen before.
and he's going to do something in your life that you've never seen before. Five, three, two.